All right, biohackers, who doesn't love a yummy, creamy whey protein shake? Oh, it is such a treat. And I really love it as a meal replacement, post-workout recovery, maybe even a midday snack. So this is why I have to tell you about Puri Protein Powder. I absolutely love the bourbon vanilla flavor and the chocolate, but I think I got to go with the, the vanilla as my favorite. So it's smooth, it's delicious. And you know what else? It's pretty awesome that the flavors come from real natural ingredients like the bourbon vanilla seeds from Madagascar. And let's talk about quality because there's a lot of junk whey protein on the market that I would not recommend. So the Puree whey protein, it comes from pasture-raised cow's milk with no hormones, no GMOs, and no pesticides. This is because Puree's mission has always been to be the best at offering pure, clean, and superior products that, that support health and well-being. And what I think truly sets them apart is that they are fully transparent with their product testing. Every batch is third-party tested against more than 200 contaminants and certified clean by the Clean Label Projects. Not all brands can say this. Plus, each product contains a QR code so you can personally scan it and review the test results at home. I know you're excited to try it out. So what you're going to do is head on over to puri.com slash biohackerbabes. That's P-U-O-R-I.com slash biohackerbabes. And then make sure you use promo code biohackerbabes at checkout to save 20%. All right, let's get back to the show. Mold is not the problem, by the way. Mold is a symptom of a moisture problem. If you want to go root cause, okay, it's moisture. It's excess moisture. Mold is just the byproduct of that. Hey there, welcome to the Biohacker Babes podcast. We are your hosts. I'm Renee, a certified nutritional consultant with a master's degree in nutrition. What's up? And I'm Lauren, functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner and check movement specialist. We're sisters and we're joining forces to empower you to become your own biohacker and upgrade your life. Our mission is to provide actionable steps so you can optimize your health, strengthen your intuition, and support your body's natural healing abilities. Because life is too short to not feel your best every single day. Thank you for joining us and welcome to the show. Welcome to episode 227 of the Biohacker Babes. My name is Lauren. I am tuning in from New York City today, joined by my sister co-host Renee Bells across the country in Las Vegas. What's happening? Say, Hi. Say hey. Say what's happening. Hey from the dry desert. <laughs> oh, hey from the toxic urban city. <laughs> we are Holding? talking about home health. Home health today. Topic of the day is mold. And we do have a longer episode in store for you, but I promise every second is so valuable. You're going to want to hang on in, until the end. Some really, really powerful information that our guest is going to share today. So uh, if you've been whole, hearing more about mold, like, I don't know, in, in the world, in the news, maybe you've had a mold exposure, maybe you know someone with mold illness, there's a lot of myths about mold, a lot. And it's not just mold in our homes, but it's also in our foods. And our guest today does an incredible job about really thoroughly explaining the purpose of it, how we're exposed to it, what we can do about it. 
So I would say the latter half of the episode is really like all the action items. So important to uh, to hang in there. Yeah, yeah. I think my takeaway today was just the how our home is like an extension of ourselves. And I love that. Oh my gosh. Yeah, love it. The analogy was super cool. Definitely stay tuned for that. But I mean, as a biohacker, I definitely I try and get outside a lot, but I still spend a lot of time indoors, like way more than our ancestors did. So even I'm kind of rethinking not just the mold piece, but like, what is the health of my home? Even like the VOCs, right? I, I've always lived in newer construction that comes with its own bucket of problems, I would say. So I think I'm going to go, you know, check my air doctor, see what's going on. Do I need to change my filters? Just a lot of food for thought on like what's going on in my house and how it might be impacting me. So much. You made such a great point about, you know, as a health enthusiast or health advocate, we spend, you know, so much effort changing our our food and our beauty care products. But what about the air that we're breathing? What what did he say? We breathe 30,000 pounds of air in a day. Yeah. Did I remember that correctly? Yeah. Yeah, it's a huge amount of neglect when it comes to health, considering the air that we breathe. So I think you're going to be a changed human (laughs) by the end of this podcast and and have some really clear, accessible, actionable items that you can take if you think that you need to take that next step. So we're going to bring on Jason Earl for you. And he is a man on a mission. He's an adoring father of two boys in diapers incurable entrepreneur and indoor air quality crusader. He is founder and CEO of Got Mold and the creator of the Got Mold Test Kit. The realization that his moldy childhood at home was the underlying cause of his extreme allergies and asthma led him into the healthy home business in 2002, leaving behind a successful career on Wall Street. Over the last two decades, Jason has personally performed countless sick building investigations, solving many medical mysteries along the way, helping thousands of families recover their health and peace of mind. He has been featured or appeared on Good Morning America, Extreme Makeover, Home Edition, The Dr. Oz Show, Entrepreneur, Wired, The Biohacker Babes Podcast, (laughs) and more. Great addition there. All right. Jason is just such an amazing human. Can't wait to bring him on. Oh, and has a world Guinness record, which you'll hear about in the episode. Fun fact. All right, let's All right. do it. Welcome, Jason, to the Biohacker Babes. So good to be here. Yes. Okay. Just heard you at Dragonfly do your TEDx 10-minute talk. Very concise, very powerful and effective. And you are our first moldy on the show. First time talking about mold. Very excited to bring this to our audience. I think mold exposure, mold illness, the idea of mold is gaining more and more attention. And we're very quickly demonizing mold, like mold is bad. So I would love to kick off with what is mold? What is its purpose? Because I don't think it's all bad. It's not inherently bad. What is mold here to do or to tell us? Well, I think that's a great place to start. And by the way, it was great seeing you ladies at at Dragonfly. Yeah. You did such a, a such a great job emceeing. It was it was a real pleasure. And thank it was great you, to spend some you. some quality time. I'm glad we did that actually before this show. I, I feel like that was uh that was really uh, it was fortuitous. So yeah. um it worked but it's out a pleasure. Time. Yeah, absolutely. And it's a pleasure to be here. Um so I've been looking forward to this. Um so mold is mold is a four letter word for a lot of people. Um, but it doesn't need to be that way. You know, at, at mold is 
um, nature's digestive organism. Its job is to turn dead plant matter into dirt, right? So if if we didn't have that, it would be a mess here. In fact, there was a time when we didn't have mold and fungi, uh, and it's called the Carboniferous period, where trees would fall down and they didn't rot. They didn't decay, and that's why we have oil and 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 all that good stuff, oil, oil and coal. Um, and so uh, it was it was necessary to not have it, uh, but now we really need it because otherwise we just have piles of dead plant material everywhere. So it's doing its job if it's digesting these things in your yard, but not so much when it's doing that in your living room, right? Um, mm-hmm. And so when you look at planet uh, our planet, I, I actually often think of, in fact, my one of my screensavers is an AI generated image of planet fungi, which I wish I could share with with listeners, but I'll send it to you separately. Yeah. Um, and that's how I think about the planet, really. You know, the, this is planet fungi. We're on a water planet, you know, and 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 mold operates in a very important area. Um, and it's, and, you know, people vilify mold because of course it causes a lot of illness, but you know, it's also been super hot. I mean, it's, it's where we get a lot of antibiotics. It's where we get a lot of delicious flavors like soy sauce and of course, beer and wine and cheese. And, you know, the, the list goes on and on. Um, and so, so to, to just sort of pigeonhole it into this dangerous thing is to, is to miss the, the fact that it's really about how we interact with it that matters more so than it itself. Right. It's like, uh, you know, um, there's no good or bad that only thinking makes it so right um mm-hmm. and so so th- those labels and those judgments are, are i think uh ill-informed so anyway uh, the, the 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 when when we think about uh mold in general there's there's also this hyper focus on mycotoxins which um and so for the for for everyone who's sort of you know new to this subject mold produces three things when it grows spores which are like the hardy reproductive capsules kind of like seeds uh, their job is to go forth and multiply right go forth and prosper um and so they they also carry little bits of toxins on them my, that are called mycotoxins and and but these are only specific molds out of the 100,000 or so molds uh that are known only about 100 species produce these toxins so it's a very small amount it's a rounding error really and uh so uh, there's a disproportionate focus on them as if it's the total source of illness. And the data on this is very strongly uh, in in opposition to that, that mycotoxins are responsible for a lot of illness, but not most of it. Um, And so so those toxins are what gets vilified. But if you go into a moldy building or a building where there's mold-related illness, those molds are not necessarily always present there. So that tells you you something, right? There must be something else going on. Now, the spores can cause allergies and the mycotoxins can cause all sorts of organ disruptions and metabolic disruptions and stuff like that if you get a lot of them. But the secret of this is that you're actually getting a lot of that from food, which we can unpack later. There's there's a lot of mold in our food supply, uh, mycotoxin in our food supply. Mm-hmm. So the third thing the molds produce, so we got spores, we got the mycotoxins, which are these chemicals that are used to inhibit the growth of other organisms. It's a competitive tool. It's like chemical warfare on a microscopic level, okay, with these guys. But the third piece, and this is the most interesting piece to me, is the musty smell. The musty smell is 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 the often the first clue. Um, but it's also a major health hazard. And this is, this is new stuff. I mean, m- most people have thought about the musty smell for, for ages as just this aesthetic nuisance, Mol- you know, it's the basement smell. Um, but, but the data on this is fascinating. Uh, first of all, kids exposed to the musty smell have doubled the risk of asthma, uh, developing asthma later. And also recent animal studies have shown that it's neurotoxic, um, in fruit fly studies, 
they found that the fruit flies stop producing dopamine. They stop reproducing. They fly down instead of to the light, which is their instinctive nature. They develop mitochondrial damage, locomotor dysfunction, premature death. I mean, this is like, and this is just one of the compounds that's found in most of the musty, most, most of the musty odors. It's kind of a potpourri of chemicals. And anyone who's ever had mold related illness or spent time in a musty building will, will, will tell you that they didn't feel right. A cognitive impairment. Sometimes people can't go to sleep. Sometimes people can't wake up, right? It, it, it affects you in, in, in in so many different ways. Um, but the musty smell is produced by all molds during growth. So here's, that's the key, right? Mycotoxins, a hundred out of a hundred thousand, whereas the musty smell, all of them produce this. And these chemicals, they're called MVOCs. And the M stands for microbial and VOCs uh, are uh, volatile organic compounds. Now, many people listening to this have heard of VOCs. The most popular one is alcohol. Uh, lots of people enjoy that. But we also know that it causes cognitive impairment, right? Um, and so if you're breathing this stuff or drinking this stuff, it can it can cause you to, to have some uh, shifts in consciousness. Uh, some of them are pleasant and some of them are unpleasant. Um, you know, <laughs> gasoline is comprised of a whole, a whole, a whole suite of VOCs. Um, benzene, toluene, industrial solvents, bleach, the active ingredient in bleach, which is sodium hypochlorite, is a VOC. So it's it's liquid at one temperature and room temperature it evaporates. Um, and so, so it's extremely important to keep your nose peeled, if you will. You know, you want to really keep your senses acute, acutely aware of the slightest whiff of that, because that's usually the first clue, right? Uh, mold grows within 24 to 48 hours of a moisture problem. And the first thing will be the scent. By the time it's visible, it's been growing for a while. Um, and so, uh, so the idea here is that we, we have, we have essentially over time, and we talked about this at Dragonfly from 1945 around the the World War II, after the uh, baby boomers started having it, there's a, a need for faster and cheaper building materials. We slowly started changing from these homes that were built to last to homes that are built of paper mache um, with sheetrock. Oh. And, and then we tighten them up uh, for energy efficiency. And then we slathered them with toxic chemicals. And then we wonder why we're having asthma, allergies, autoimmune disease, you know, at skyrocketing rates. Um, and really what it comes down to is moisture control. That's what this all comes down to. So um, the good news is, and here is the good news, that unlike the outdoor environment where we have very little control, the indoor environment, we have an enormous potential for control if we choose to exercise it. Um, and so it all begins with awareness, which is what we're here for. Um, and so uh, the 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 reality is, is that we live on a water planet and we have a, hu a huge amount of fungi on the planet, which is usually our friend, um, but we need to learn how to navigate around it you know, being afraid of mold, which is the which is a very common thing, is extremely counterproductive. Um, it's like being scared of gravity or being scared of sunlight. Um, it is such a normal part of our environment that what I encourage people to do is is think about this as something to be discerning about, to be aware of. Um, it's like you wouldn't be afraid of sugar. You just know that you don't want to have a lot of that in your diet, right? Uh, and you also know that it's going to make its way into your diet the same way you know that mold is going to be a part of your life at some point, right? It's, just, it's up there with death and taxes. It's guaranteed. Um, but how you navigate that <laughs> is the deal. And so I encourage people to be discerning instead of fearful, um, because if anyone who, who's listening to this is, go is going through um, a mold issue, uh, I will I will say that I've never seen anybody truly get better until they've gotten rid of the fear. Mm. Yeah. Huge. That's powerful. I mean, I think a lot of, I mean, fear in general, when people are really sick, I mean, you see it, they like cling on to fear of whatever. And it's like, yeah, that's totally going to hold you back from the healing journey you need to go on. Totally. Um, 
what you said about the buildings, like I'm always curious, like what did our ancestors have to deal with, right? So mold, this is not something new. Is it really the way that we're building buildings? Is that what started this new cascade? Like, was this not really an issue for humans before? It it was an issue in, if you lived in a cave underground, you know, like if you were literally, you know, if you, if you chose badly back then, right. And you were underground in a damp space, you probably experienced mold related illness back then too. You know, if you were, oh, okay. but, uh, because it had to do with the amount these things concentrate. So it's the dose makes the poison, right? Paracelsus, godfather of 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 uh, toxicology. The dose makes the poison, and and actually, small amounts of mold exposure are are uh, not only uh, not harmful, but actually beneficial for most people. Um, so your lungs are a naked interface, and so you're getting data from this stuff, um, you're learning what's normal in your environment, right? So there's the hygiene hypothesis, there's the there's the uh, biodiversity hypothesis, but essentially, you know, we, we need these microbes in our world to, to create protections against the nasty microbes, but also we need the data to know what's normal in our environment, because when we go outside, we're going to need to, to ex- experience this stuff. But when you're indoors and this stuff is, is blooming and you've got lots and lots of spores, uh, or you've got those microbial gases, then we go from medicine to poison. Um, and so it's really the concentration of it that occurs indoors. And this is a byproduct of our, of our building practices. First of all, the materials we use are very mold friendly. And then second of all, we are very, we have very airtight buildings. And then we've also done this crazy thing, which is where we started using toxic chemicals in our, in, 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 you know, to line our buildings and put them all over our stuff. And it's just unbelievable. I mean, the, between the personal care products and the cleaning products and the building materials and the finishes and the, and the stain resistant coatings, all that stuff is so outrageously toxic. And what we do is we just close it up in a box and we rebreathe it 20,000 times a day. It's literally Oof. insane. I mean, and then we wonder why we have all these statistics. Um, yeah. So, so the modern building practices are at the core of why we have this hyper exposure. And also the fact our society now doesn't leave, we don't leave buildings, right? We spend 90% of mm-hmm. our time indoors uh, and we go from building to to car and then car to building. Um, you know, and so like there's even in our car, that new house smell, which you talked about at Dragonfly, right? Uh, this is, this is like, you know, this is an, this is not a good thing. And this is sweet smell. We attribute it to, 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 to achievement, right? Like it smells a so good. Smells so good, right? New house smells great. Like the, that, that yep. renovated smell smells so good, but so does the gas station. Oh Yeah. You know oh, what I mean? Get like me high. That feels good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But but we know that that's not like a, a a truly good smell, right? That's a it smell. It feels good, but it's not so good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so so it's that it's that same thing that we need to sort of disassociate from that. Um, and so it's it's a combination of building practices, building materials, and then social behavior. And it's a it's like a perfect storm. I mean, it's it's literally a perfect storm. Uh, you know, uh, there's a great yeah. book called Never Home Alone, which I highly recommend to anyone who's interested in uh, what's going on in our home below the, you know, below the surface here, like the, on the microbial level. Um, and it's written by a guy named Rob Dunn, who's a professor at U- uh, UNC. And it's, he's so funny. But he thinks that we should rename our species uh, Homo Endorus instead of Homo sapiens because we've become <laughs> indoor species. Yeah. And creatures of the indoors. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah we, we really have. We've, we've kind of retrenched into these these uh, these synthetic shells. Um, mm-hmm. And and then we wonder why uh, why we're having all these problems. So yeah. there's no, I mean, no short I, answer on that. It's a, it's, it's, it's a compounding thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I will say like, I personally, 
I think I fortunately haven't suffered too badly from it, but I've always lived in new construction, like since 2004, brand new dorm, brand new apartment, brand new house, another brand new apartment. Like just, I love the newness. I love the modern. Um, I'm not like a fixer upper type, but with that comes all of those exposures. Yeah. Yeah. Germ free. Yeah. Well, that's the other thing, right? It's, Clean. it's, too, sanita- it's too sanitized, and then it's also got these chemicals in it. And the thing yeah. about the chemicals that's interesting is that we talked about VOCs, and that's the man-made stuff, and that's what you're going to get from your paints and finishes and floorings and all that stuff, right? And then you have the MVOCs. One of the most common things that we see is people who have a lot of exposure to mold, uh, especially if they live in a basement apartment or just a really musty space for a long period of time, they often become sensitive to chemicals. They become sensitive to fragrances. Um, they develop what's called a, a toxicant-induced loss of tolerance or TILT, uh, which is a um, kind of like MCS or multiple chemical sensitivity. Uh, Claudia Miller uh, is, a, is a researcher who's co- coined the term TILT, which I think is brilliant. Um, mm, and it's this idea, that. it's the opposite of addiction, where with an addiction, you, you need more and more and more to get lesser and lesser effect. In this case, lesser, le- less and less and less exposure actually has a disproportionately higher effect. So it's, 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 a, um, it's a tricky thing. And so, um, so what we see is this overlap where uh, also chemical sen- people exposed to a lot of chemicals, new buildings, for example, you know, people who live in, who's, who were in an occupational setting where they might be exposed to a lot of petroleum, you know, solvents and stuff like that, um, they tend to become mold sensitive. So, so the VOC, the body goes, whoa, enough, you know, because mold is a chemical factory and there's just no two ways about it. If you looked up, if you look at it just chemically, it's a chemical factory um, between the toxins it produces uh, and then the, and then the gases it produces. And the only problem with that is, like I said, when it's doing it indoors in a, in a closed setting. Otherwise, it you know, outside it blows around. And so our ancestors had a lot of ventilation. You know, their their buildings didn't have insulation in the walls. They weren't caulked sh- tightly to save energy. You know, they'd have to burn the fire constantly just to keep that area warm. Forget about the house. It was just that room that was warm because all the heat would just disperse. Well, that also allowed pollutants to disperse. It also allowed water that gets into the walls or water that gets in to dry out quickly. So it's it's known in building science as drying potential. Our buildings have very low drying potential now, uh, whereas before they had Un- unbelievable drying potential and the materials themselves didn't support fungal growth. So again, these things are just compounded on top of each other. Um, it's not one thing in particular. It's a, it's a set of practices that over the course of the last 60, 70 years um, have set us up for the situation. Hmm. Um, sense. So I'm just curious about people that are having those that crossover intolerance. Is it like a hypervigilance in the system um, is it also maybe like poor detoxification? Cause I know like I've walked into a space with someone that's had mold illness and they react and I don't. So obviously there's something different in our biochemistry. That's yeah. the, the alert system is totally different, right? Like you're not guaranteed to get sick walking to that room. It depends on the environment it's coming into. So what's actually going on in the immune system, you know, or detoxification. Everybody is different. Um, and but there, and it's, and it's still really an emerging field, like how this stuff really triggers you, because again, it's a chemical factory, right? So you've got, and again, taking mycotoxins and pushing that aside, because that's a conversation about mold and food really more, right? You've got a Venn diagram here, mold and food is mycotoxins. And then you've got musty smell spores and some mycotoxins, but, Mm. and then they overlap. 
And that overlap is what I call overload, right? And so there's yeah. a there's a combination of things I think that's happening here. First of all, um, mold affects you all across allergic pathways, inflammatory pathways, and then of course, uh, tox, you know, in, in toxicity um, at, at, at higher level. That toxicity can be from the the, the musty smell because of course these are solvents uh, in large amounts. Uh, you know, these things are, are are very deleterious to human health. Um, and then of course the the mycotoxins which you which you're eating in your diet. And so these things compound on top of each other again. Um, and so the there's but there's interesting evidence because there's a sort of a fourth thing which is this fight or flight um, response that a lot of people with mold sensitivities have and and it evokes this adrenal response or this or a shutting down and you know like for example people with chronic sinusitis uh, or asthmatics what is their body doing when they're having an exposure their body is saying I can't have any more of that right the, the yeah, asthma protect. Goes, the, you protect so stop stop that it shuts down well this is really a, a an impractical physical response right? <laughs> you kind of need to keep yeah. operating maybe um, yeah maybe overachieved <laughs> yeah and so that that's that's in many ways that's a that's a, the body's way of panicking um and saying you know like we need to save you at the cost of your own life you know we're going to save your life by 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 stopping this breathing thing, you know? Yeah. Thanks, Bobby. Um, yeah, thanks a lot. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. Um, with friends like you who needs enemies, but, and, and this, this thing happens, I think, um, with, with, there's a, there's a, there are nerves, um, in the, in the face, um, that trigeminal nerve in particular, uh, that, that is, uh, considered to be a primary source of irritation for these things. And that kicks right into the autonomic ner nervous system. Mm -hmm. And so the, the body just goes, Whoa, okay, we got to get out of here. Right. Um, and so uh, it's, it's kind of that fight or flight. It's like, get out of here, just leave the building. Um, and all these, all sorts of inflammation pops up. And so then next thing you know, you got the triggers on these other pathways, especially the inflammatory and the allergic pathways, which are highly tied into the autonomic nervous system. Right. So, so, so these things are the compensatory uh, response to this fight or flight thing that is so visceral. Um, that it, that, that's what precedes these other interactions and causes all of this sort of this, 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 uh, cascade of symptoms. Um, and that's why these people become so fearful. And I say these people, I'm, I am one of those people, right? Like I grew up like this. Um, and so I don't, I don't mean to sound like, you know, the, the other, cause it's not other it's, you know, it's anyone who's, who's been exposed to this understands what it's like to, to, to feel like your life is at risk for being in a building where everyone else feels fine or, or other people mm -hmm. are not nearly as affected. Um, and yeah, that or you're the crazy one. We got to move yeah. Airbnbs or hotel rooms. Like this is your fault. Yeah, and it's also it's very isolating, and it, and it, and it's enough to to make it, that's enough to to uh, make you crazy anyway. This sure. feeling is you're marginalized, and it happens all the time. You have five people living in a house, one person's got ma major symptoms. Uh, it gets marginalized. You know, finally someone entertains the idea of of having an inspection or testing done. That they find something that gets remediated, and the person with the major symptoms feels better immediately. You know, and then suddenly you talk to the other people, and they go, you know. I'm sleeping through the night and, you know, I'm not quite as pissed off as I was. And, you know, mm. I'm not blowing my nose, you know, every 15 minutes. It, suddenly this, they have symptoms, they had symptoms that they weren't equating to this because their baseline of their health had gone to a point where they accepted that as normal. Uh, yeah. And they didn't realize yeah, that sure. their indoor air, which you breathe again, 13 to 15 times a minute, 20,000 times a day. And now all day, because we don't leave the house is is your largest environmental exposure but it's hiding in plain sight and it's and you can't touch it taste it, or smell it or feel it in, until it's too bad or there's not enough of it um and so it's it's really tricky stuff it's hiding it is it is so it's like you can't smell your own breath right 
You know, like we're so close to it that <laughs> unless you do that, right? But otherwise you don't know. Uh, we're so close to it that unless you focus on it and really make this a point of of, of, of awareness, um, air is an afterthought. Um, and and uh, but it, but but it has this overwhelming impact on us, such that when you get it straight, uh, I believe that healthy indoor air is the number one biohack. You know, it is the underlying biohack of all biohacks. Right, get your air straight, get your water straight, get your food straight, and then you can build on that. Where you can optimize. But if you don't get your air straight, nothing. You can't supplement. You can't. You can't nourish. You can't affirm or meditate your way out of that. You know, it, it is that fundamental. Yeah. Well, I mean, oxygen itself, right? I mean, a lot of biohackers say, you know, breath work is the number one biohack or whatever, because we can't go without breathing. We can go a while without water. We can go a while without food. But we're talking about breath work. But yeah, what are you inhaling? That makes perfect sense. I mean, that's like your first offense. Totally. I'm going to a breathwork class tonight. I'm definitely going to be on alert. Like if I walk in and smell, I'm I'm out of there. I'm going to go do breathwork in the park. <laughs> Which is yeah. where it should be done probably, you know? I mean, yeah. Probably, but you know, New York City in the winter is like, what are we supposed to do, you know? Yeah, totally. And New York City's tough too. You know, cities are tough in general because, you know, you have very little control over the the buildings and they're often old with, you know, based on uh, antiquated building codes and and lackluster ventilation and, you know. And no ventilation also- in the bathroom. You don't even have the passive vent that that uh, that one little, that one little vent. That's- I do. I don't think it does very much. Well, you just you said know, passive. I guess explain it to me. It doesn't seem like it's doing anything. There should be a, a fan on the roof that's connected to a stack that goes all the way down and all the kitchens and bathrooms all connect to it. But the reality is, is that they get disconnected, they fall apart and the fans often turned off because they're trying to save electricity. Right. So, so those things usually don't yeah. work. What you do is you take a piece of toilet paper and go put it up next to it. And if it sticks to the thing, then it's working. Um, yeah, not, mine's not working. Yeah. Well, <laughs> oh. so you have no ventilation. Yeah. No, no, oh. we have the vent. There's no ventilation for the, through the vent. <laughs> it's <laughs> just for show apparently. Yeah. Oh. yeah. Yeah. Well, I lived yeah. in an apartment like that in, in the city too. And and it's tough. I mean, you know, it mold on the ceilings and, you know, it's just, it's inevitable, right? So this comes down to, you know, you've got to be even more vigilant in a situation like that. No doubt. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I was just gonna say, Jason, you seem like you're kind of like the canary in the coal mine. Like Lauren, you were saying like, why do some people react? But would you say you're the canary in the coal mine? That's why you've been more aware of this? I, I, I think I was. Um, I'm no longer, and that's that's that that's a, a testament to to the human immune system and our adaptability. Um, and also, I think I was fortunate enough to get out of it before uh, before before adolescence, or you know, before I, my my the hard wiring really kind of kicked in. Um, so, you know, when I was four years old, I was falsely diagnosed with cystic fibrosis, and I was allergic to literally everything in my environment. So it was everything, every single test that they put, that they tested me for was 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 uh was positive and my dad said that when he, when he saw me during the they put you in a papoose like a straitjacket for toddlers you know and uh and with the exposed back and then they draw grid on your back and do the antigens and my dad said i look like a ladybug just like red swollen back with dots all over it oh, um, wow. so uh so i lived on inhalers uh and uh, uh this stuff called breathine it wasn't even an inhaler it was before inhalers it was like a crushed up pill it was like inhaling powder it was disgusting and, uh, and then one of my folks split up and moved out when I was 12 and all my symptoms went away. Um, and I and never had to use an inhaler again, not allergic to anything, um, except for bad attitudes still have, I still break out in highs lawyers too sometimes, but you know, 
<laughs> You're not alone. <laughs> but uh, but the but the it was completely dismissed as adolescent remission at the time. Um, my grandfather had grown out of his asthma as well. And so, uh, so fast forward, I ended up, uh, my mother, uh, died suddenly when I was 14 suicide, which is relevant to this story actually. And then 15, I, I was diagnosed with Lyme disease, which disproportionately affects, uh, those with mold sensitivities and the science behind that's still not really well understood biotoxin detoxification pathways. There's a bunch mm-hmm. of different stuff going on there. And I actually think antibiotics have a lot to do with it too. antibiotics are the primary tool for that. And antibiotics are primarily fungal and or bacterial toxins in a concentrated amount. And uh, so I I have a feeling that there might be a a relationship there, but that's poorly understood. Um, And, uh, and then I ended up through a crazy series of of, um, events. I ended up dropping out of high school and uh, working full-time at the gas station and and saving money to get my GED and start college early. And I got recruited out of the gas station by a guy uh, who worked on wall street um, and uh, a year later, I was a uh, stockbroker and somehow or another ended up being the youngest licensed stockbroker in history with a Guinness World Record. So that was crazy. But I know that you guys yeah. have a Guinness, you have a Guinness World Record too, don't you? Oh, no. I knew this was coming. <laughs> Fake news. <laughs> I was called out for saying that I had a World Guinness Record at Dragonfly. Jason was like, you do? Because I do. I was like, oh, sh- oh shit. You actually do. <laughs> and that's, that's really amazing, especially at a gas station. Were you just there, like trying to smell the fumes? Should we all go there and like risk the VOCs? Maybe VOCs, up- man. You know, there's <laughs> sometimes you just got to run into the fire, you know, um, and just don't light a match at the gas station. Um, <laughs> right. But, but it was, it was, it was, it was one of those. Yeah, I do very well in garages too. I was later recruited by uh, Mario Gabelli, who's a self-made billionaire at, at the parking garage where I, where I was getting my car about seven years later um, and went to go work for him. So I do really well in garages apparently. Um, but I, I had, I had gotten very dis- disenchanted though. Nine years on wall street will do that to anybody. Um, and my mom had raised me to, 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 uh, to, to really focus on contribution to the greater good. My mom was a nurse gave to a fault I and mean, she was just, a, a, she had the servant's heart, um, which was part of her downfall. But, um, but I would volunteer at the hospitals where, where she was, where she worked during the summer. I think she mostly had me go there. So I didn't burn the house down, but, but I, I learned a lot about, you know, uh, people in need and, 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 uh, the, the, the joy of service. And so wall street didn't, didn't really ring true to that, you know? Um, and so when I decided that I wanted, I was done with it, uh, after the dot-com bubble burst, I went traveling. And while I was away, I read a story about a guy who'd gotten sick from the hotel where he was an employee and he blamed the mold. He developed adult onset asthma and allergies to everything. And I was like, Oh, that sounds familiar. It's kind of my life in reverse, you know? And, uh, so called my dad from a payphone, which probably isn't there anymore. And, and said, uh, Hey, do you think we had mold in at Old Trenton Road? And he's like, "Of course, we had mushrooms in the basement. Why do you ask?" <laughs> and uh, wow. yeah, typical okay. 1970s parent, right? Just <laughs> yeah, um, it's awesome. Because well, you don't need those, you know. Like, <laughs> oh yeah. here's some more red dye for you in your cereal, and here it's some more. You know, Eat your fruit just... snacks and hush, <laughs> and put some sugar on top of it. <laughs> I mean, really, it's amazing we yeah. all survived. Um, so. <laughs> So I, 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 I immediately became fascinated with the idea that buildings can make you sick. That, that, that is an idea that, that had really captured my attention and still to this day, um, drives me because I think that it's a blind spot for most people. Um, the, the, Definitely. the relationship with your building, I think is the most, 
I think it's the most important relationship you have in terms of your health and longevity. Um, it's like an exoskin or an exoskeleton. Um, and I, you know, I like to joke around. We're a little bit like hermit crabs in the sense that we don't do very well without our shell. But we, but it's also something that we just completely disregard. It's these, these, these static boxes. You live, work, and store your stuff in it, and you, you buy and sell it. Maybe you make some money. Maybe you don't. Um, and um, and and it is. Um, it is a, it is an, it's an, it's a crucial part of your immune system. And that's why I laugh at You would never paint your body with, with uh, the paints that you paint your walls with. Right. But you end up inhaling. Yeah. It becomes part of your body anyway. So you have to think about mm. it the same way with your personal care products. If you care about your personal care products, think about your building the same way. It's just, it's like an exos, it's a skin. Um, and it's also the, it's also immediately trans transmits into your lungs, which then there's no filter. You know, you, you are the filter. You know, mm. you are an air filter. Think about that, you know? So whatever is there, you know, if it's healthy, nutritious air with oxygen, which is a fuel and it's detoxifying and it's, and it's energizing and it's, you know, it's a nutrient, you know, we breathe 30 pounds of air every day. Isn't that crazy? 30 pounds of air. And, and I've, and I read that once and I said, ah, how does he come up with that? So then I took my, my, I took a balloon. I got, grabbed the jeweler's scale. I brought my four-year-old son over and I said, check this out. We weighed the balloon, teared it, blew the balloon up, weighed the balloon. Sure enough, 0.6 grams, do the math on it. It's 30 pounds of air, you know, 28 pounds or something like that. So it is, it is, you're consuming air. You're not breathing it. You're, you're consuming it. Right. Um, And so you start thinking about it that way as a nutrient, then, you know, think about the same way with the food, right? Empty calories, you know, or, or poisonous calories versus nutritious delicious, you know, sustaining calories. Um, and it's the same thing with air. It's just a different perspective, you know? Hey there, biohackers. We've got an exciting new sponsor to share with you today. New brew, the groundbreaking non-alcoholic functional beverage that's taking the market by storm. If you're looking for an alternative to alcohol or coffee, or maybe even both, look no further. New brew has expertly blended precise low doses of kava root, kratom leaf, and caffeine to deliver effects you can actually feel. Kava root, sourced from the Pacific Islands, is known for its relaxing properties. We've talked about this one a lot on the podcast. And it's traditionally used in social rituals for centuries. It's a game changer. And kratom, derived from the leaf of a tropical evergreen tree in Southeast Asia, is traditionally brewed into a tea for enhanced energy and productivity. Each can of new brew contains 125 milligrams of kava, 25 milligrams of kratom, and 30 milligrams of caffeine. And here's the best part. All of Nubru's active ingredients are third-party lab-tested for purity, potency, and overall safety. Now, it comes in three flavors, citrus, berry, and mango, with my personal favorite being mango. I'm actually sipping on it as I speak. (laughs) And whether you need an afternoon boost, a socializing drink, or a productivity kick, Nubru has you covered. I absolutely love it as my happy hour treat because it gives me a little energy boost and mental clarity, as well as a euphoric feeling, almost like I had a cocktail and it doesn't disrupt my sleep. But please remember to drink responsibly. Each can is meant for those over 21 and it's not recommended to mix it with alcohol or to consume more than two cans in a day. Like coffee or alcohol, new brew can be habit forming. So sip slowly and assess your tolerance. And if you're in recovery or living a 100% sober lifestyle, we recommend steering clear of new brew. So please stay informed and learn about responsible kava and kratom use at drinknewbrew.com. And if you're ready to give it a try, head on over to drinknewbrew.com and use discount code biohackerbabes to save 25%. Cheers, my friends. 
It's really ludicrous when you, when you say it like that and you talk to people, it's like, we're consuming toxins. You're like, no, I don't drink alcohol or eat processed food. The air that you breathe, I'm just thinking of my air doctor that's in the corner. If I open that filter, it's just black. And I'm hoping that it's, you know, saving me from breathing some of that in. But if we could compare lungs to that, and you're right, we obsess over our beauty care products. I, I suppose that a lot of people don't even want to consider it because it's harder to change those circumstances, right? Not everyone can just get up and move tomorrow. Yeah. I, well, I think that there's a lot of, um, well, first of all, when I say these things to a lot of people, um, they go, they shut down, right? They, they, because there's either a budget yeah. constraint or uh, some other limitation, husband, wife, boss, whatever, landlord, um, that, uh, you know, just general resistance. Log- like, logistic. Uh, don't, don't tell me. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of people don't want to hear about the food too. I mean, you talk about people, you guys know this, you talk to people about their food. You might as well be talking about religion or politics. <laughs> Oh yeah. yeah! Don't eat peanuts. Oh don't god, no! What? What are you? Don't take about? my peanuts away from me. <laughs> right, my my eggs. You know, like I had that because I had to stop eating eggs because of food sensitivity. Um, oh. I just learned that it was causing me joint pain, um, and uh, that was a grieving process, man. When when I when I was first, I was looking at that, going, "No, don't tell me I can't eat eggs." You know? Um, yeah, eggs so, is the worst. Yeah, it's, it's a hard so one. Funny. It's a hard one. And they're delicious and they're, they're supposed to be the perfect food. And so, um, mm-hmm. so, you know, people get, so, so p- when people are, are presented with this, they can look at this as an opportunity or an obstacle. And I think that initially it's like agreeing, you have to go through this process where you recognize that, okay, fine. This is, this is literally table stakes. This is like fundamental. And then as soon as you realize that you have a lot of control, but the problem is most people don't know what to do. They don't have the next steps. It just seems like this because it's nebulous by definition, air. Is there anything more nebulous than air? And so so this this is a very difficult thing. And there's so much crap out there. You want to go online and look up, holy crap. I mean, there is so man, so much junk science. I mean, you know, there are there are air purifiers out there that don't actually purify the air that create particles. Um, like, I mean, I've, I've tested air purifiers, like these auric, um, air machines that produce more particles than, than, than they re- remove. I've even seen similar things with the molecule. Um, the Uh-oh. Original can we ask it. you about air doctor on the air? Maybe I don't want to know. Uh, yeah. I know I'm that actually, was my next question. They're one of our partners actually. And, uh, and, and, okay. and I only partner with, with, uh, with companies that I've tested, you know, I've got, um, uh, these, I got all sorts of, you know, fun gadgets and stuff. This is a laser particle counter. Um, and so this actually measures the, the airborne particulate matter down to 0.3 microns. And so, um, I test these things. Yeah, no, this is, this is a fun toy. Um, yeah, we've ragged on the molecules before. I'm like, they made them real pretty and just pulled people in, but I don't think. Yes. Great marketing, VC backed marketing engine. Uh, and, and if you ask them about their science, they will, they will provide you with studies that they paid for, uh, that Ah, very questionable, uh, data points. And, so listen, the bottom line is mm. air filters filter air. They don't kill stuff. They don't zap stuff. Um, zapping stuff creates other particles. Think about this. You're burning part. You, you don't vaporize it, right? We know this, that you know matter can't be created or destroyed. Energy can't be created or destroyed. You know, it changes form. Uh, so where does it go? It doesn't just become like pure air. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. Um, oh, so yeah. I never thought of it that even, way. And even the VOCs, VOCs are, are complex molecules in, in many cases. Um, and when you smash them, they 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 break apart into their 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 uh, different constituents, and then they like to reform into different stuff. They they they've got attractions to each other, right? The, the, and so they'll reform. And one of the most common things they reform into is formaldehyde, which is not what you want in Yum. your building. So lovely. So yeah. So there's just the unintended consequences. If you want to clean your air, the same way you clean your house, you you remove 
the dirt, you remove the particles, you remove the sources of these things. And that's what a filter like Air Doctor does. It's got a physical media and a fan that blows air through a media, the media, which captures the particles. And then it goes through the, 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 the HEPA filter will capture the particles. And then it goes through the carbon which is that the, the, that dark, heavy layer, uh, and that captures the VOCs, um, and then uh, and then and then on the other side of that, you have air that's 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 been purified at least to the point of ninety nine point seven five percent reduction in particles according to HEPA. That's the HEPA standard. Um, the, the VOCs, you know, that thing can get saturated depending upon the VOC levels in your house. So you got to wash those and you got to replace those more regularly than the HEPA. But I'm a big fan of uh, Jasper air purifiers. Um, uh, it, it was a um, Mike Feldstein, amazing, amazing guy, amazing company. Um, and uh, that's on the high end. I love air doctors. Um, I've got them all over my house. I also love Medify Air, uh, M-E-D-I-F-Y. Uh, they're, uh, mm, uh, they're, they're, they have some really affordable units, um, you know, for small apartments. I've, they have units for under a hundred bucks that actually they're, they do a great job. So, so there's, the point is that there's an, a range, right? From a hundred bucks to $2,000. And, um, but the, the stuff that has kill claims, any air purifier that has kill claims that it destroys, or kills is off the list. That's that's the red flag, right? Anytime it says no filters to replace, <laughs> off the list. Um, oh, this is news. Ionic Breeze. Okay. Remember the Ionic Breeze? Yeah. Yeah, Sharper Image. That's what put them out of business, was fighting with the consumer consumer reports about their claims and consumer report, and they, and they fought with them, and they ultimately collapsed under their own weight. The ionic breeze is, you know, molecule and ionic breeze are the same in the same category for me. I think they're better boat anchors than they are air purifiers, right? Mm -hmm. And that's how they should be used. Great. What's up, biohackers? January is here. Can you believe it? And I'm kind of curious, how are you doing with your New Year's resolutions? I'm not really a fan of the new year, new me kind of thing. I would rather recommit to all of the health strategies that I know help me feel best. My biggest priority is always going to be getting the best night sleep possible. So if I could do just one thing to improve my sleep and overall well-being, it's going to be taking the number one mineral for sleep, which also helps me personally on so many levels. We all know how superhuman we feel after a good night's sleep. So what is this magical nutrient? You guessed it. It's magnesium, actually. And I am talking about magnesium breakthrough by, by Optimizer specifically. The seven different forms of magnesium in this supplement are involved in well over 300 different enzymatic reactions in the body. Pretty much every function in your body gets upgraded when you take magnesium. From the quality of your sleep to your brain function to better metabolism and stress resilience... And let's face it, even if your 2024 resolution is not to focus on your health... How are you really going to be able to achieve all of your goals without getting that quality sleep and stress resilience that you deserve? If I could just share one piece of advice, I would say go take Magnesium Breakthrough, make it part of your daily routine so you can get the vitality you need to conquer your dreams this year. It is all possible. If you're ready to upgrade, go to bioptimizers.com backslash biohackerbabes and use code biohackerbabes10 to get a 10% off discount. That is bioptimizers.com backslash biohackerbabes, promo code biohackerbabes10 today. All right, biohackers, to conquering your dreams in 2024. Let's get back to the show. This is reminding me of a story I just read about the other day. Like we know that they're making yoga pants out of recycled plastic, right? Like it's kind of 
old news, but I just read this news story about they they found this new technology where they're burning plastics to then recycle them into clothing mm-hmm. and home care stuff. I'm like, oh my God, that's like next level toxic. Yeah. But it's supposed to be go? this green, sustainable, like we're saving the planet. It's kind but of yeah. scary. I saw Katrine posted something the other day about microplastics in clouds. Mm. They're testing microplastics up in the clouds. I don't know how they're doing that, but so maybe it's partially because of that. They're burning the plastic and it's, I, I think we're doing a lot of wrong things. <laughs> we are. And you know, the good yeah. news is that in time, the earth will be fine. It will digest all this stuff after it yeah. bucks us off its back um, and gets rid of the parasite that's causing all the problems. You know, there are no problems in this world except for the ones that humans create. Uh, there are no problems. Yeah. I mean, zero. Yeah. The yeah. only problems are the ones that we either perceive or create, you know? Um, and, and the stuff that we're doing, the way we, we have to, we still think we have to burn stuff for energy. And then we, and then we, uh, the, unfortunately our chemical companies produce our food, our drugs and our building materials. That's the reality, you know, and it, the chemical companies, you know, like eh, something's a little off there, you know, like yeah. there's something to be said about like bringing that back in and saying, well, let's, let's look at these things individually and may and evaluate our choices. And so we know food is a big deal. Right. And so you've got to, you know, globalization has brought this thing where we have now we, we import what you, you want berries. It doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be spring, you know, it doesn't have to be, you know, it doesn't matter. You get them from Peru. You know, yeah, we'll find them. Um, yeah, we'll find them. And or yeah. from Mexico. And 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 so they're on a shipping container uh for for a bit. You know, they're probably coming in from air, the berries, but but a lot of these foods, you know, we, we learned from in the beginning of the Russian uh invasion of Ukraine that Ukraine was the breadbasket of the world, right? We we learned that and that a lot of those ships got held at port. But um, so they're 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 getting all this wheat, right? They're cleaning it and then they're uh or or threshing it rather and then and then processing it and then they put it on a shipping container for 30 days on on you know it's not conditioned it's not it's not refrigerated right and then and then it comes over here so there's uh there's really strong evidence um in the food scientists are very well aware of this that 60 to 80 percent of our imported grains are contaminated with mycotoxins 60 to 80 percent and so but it's not just grains it's also it's it's not seeds uh um spices fermented meats uh you know uh, on the casings you've everyone's probably seen that um what spices are high risk um almost any spice that comes from a third world country believe it or not because what they do is they they, they don't process them with the same methods that we do right they're often harvested in the wild left on the ground to dry Right. And so there's no controls around this. Right. They're not grown in a, you know, they're not grown. I mean, we would do it like a factory here, which is, it's got its own issues, but, but the way they do it is kind of like the other way around. And so, so these, these, these spices tend to, to, to get moldy quickly, right. Cause they're, they're just leaves. Right. And what, what we started the conversation, but what, what does mold do? It breaks down dead plant matter. And by the way, mold also grows within 24 to 48 hours of a moisture problem. So it's, and the spores are already there because the spores are abundant in, in our world. You know, kingdom fungi, check this out, produces 50 megatons of spores every year. That's the equivalent of 500,000 blue whales. And to put it in further context, it's 25 <laughs> times as much tea as the entire world drinks every year. And that's just spores that you can't see with your naked eye that are being propelled into the atmosphere. Most of them land on mountains and oceans and fields and all that stuff. But they're also landing on all the spice spice plants and all of the – and that's why you don't need to actually – wine was developed because the, the spores are already on the grapes. You don't need to actually put the fungi into grapes to ferment it. It's already there. 
wheat, same kind of thing, right? So they're already there. And so, um, and so you just mash it up and let magic, let the magic happen. Um, and so, so when you take these, uh, when you harvest spices, for example, and they're not being done in a very climate controlled way, the, everything is there. And if the dampness is, is there, let's say it rains for a few days. Well, these are, you know, verdant areas where the stuff is growing. That's why they grow so well. And so, you know, if they're not, if they're not controlling the moisture really well, um, then, then you can be sure that there's, there are issues there and then they grind them up and you'll never see it. You'll never know. And then, so a lot of actually what the mycotoxin exposure that's coming in from, uh, from preserved meats is actually from the spices on the meats. Um, so isn't that wild? Yeah. Oh. So it's, mm. yeah. So, so oh, it's man. best to source these things as best you can from, uh, locally grow it yourself, local, local sources. Of course, you can't do that with cumin and, 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 you know, some of these more saffron, but that's not really subject to, to, and by the way, you're never going to eat that much saffron anyway, but, but there, there are certain things that, that, um, that you have to source internationally. And so you just want to make sure that you're dealing with, you know, the highest quality, right? You don't want to buy the, the cheapest stuff. That's for sure. Yeah. What about exactly saffron that's being put into like, mental health supplements like psychobiotics or supplements for mental wellness. Uh, saffron was not the best example because if you've ever seen it, and this is a great thing, if you ever want to see something really fascinating, look up how saffron is, is harvested. It's beautiful. Um, it's, it's all, all women uh, who do, and they have to go out at a specific time in the morning because the flower opens up and they, they hand harvest the little pieces out of the, of flowers. It's the most delicate beautiful thing you've ever seen. Um, and so I don't, they're not really subject to this kind of dynamic where it's like leaves being harvested, thrown in a pile, let it dry. Um, but if you really want to check something out, that's, that's, that's beautiful. That's still being done to this day. Check out how saffron is harvested. Um, Cool. But, uh, but so, and I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't worry too much about that, but you know, you start okay. looking at things like, you know, black cumin seed oil, you know, which is a very popular, uh, uh, topical and, and, uh, ingested these days. And right. who knows, who knows? I mean, you know, these things are not tested, uh, as much as they should be. Uh, the, they 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 do test some stuff at the port, but the regulations are very, uh, very lax about that. The, and it's very expensive. Mycotoxin testing is like 400 bucks a sample. And also it's not homogenous. So you can have some, uh, you know, a five pound bag of something and you test the top of it and you get one reading, you test the bottom of it and you get a different reading, you know, it's hey, not, hey. it's not homogenous. Uh, so, so yeah. it's, it's okay. in one shipment from another, and you know, like it's just, if there's there's great inconsistencies with these things. Hopefully, you know we've okay. got some new technology emerging. We'll be able to to with uh, spectrometry, which is like these these lasers where you can actually identify these things on the spot, and that's coming. It's like Star Trek. Um, you know, the future <laughs> is now, and it's coming. Cool. Um, and and hopefully, uh, but but also, but the most important thing is it's local. If on the food thing, um, because the food exposure. My, when I get these people who call up and they say, "I've got my mycotoxin report here. I've got and I've got mold in my body." I, my standard response is probably not because mold doesn't grow in your body. Yeast can, um, but mold is aerobic. It requires oxygen. They're obligate anaerobes, uh, obligate aerobes, aerobes rather. So they, 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 are, they are, they require oxygen. So they're not going to grow well in your, in your gut right now. Yeasts and things like that can, um, but, but, but molds can the mycotoxins are showing up in these, in these urine reports are um very clearly uh agriculture uh agriculturally uh um, uh, um origi originating from agriculture um ochratoxin a is a very common one um zealanone uh vomitoxin don you'll see that a lot these are not mold these are not pr produced from molds that grow in buildings i've never seen a fusarium infestation in the 
thousands of houses <laughs> that I, I'm testing for, but fusarium grows very well, very nicely on corn and uh, and wheat and oats and things like that. Um, and so, uh, so we we see this where there's a conflation where you got these two ideas that seem like they line up. And so, and we do this all the time. People do this. This is our new truth in our society, right? Where we just take ideas and string them together and then make a story. Um, and so the same thing with, with mycotoxins and, and so, so if you really yeah. want to look at it, you have, you have to identify if you want to get better from this stuff, you have to get your building straight. Well, the first the detoxing first step in detoxing is to stop toxing. Um, and so the first stop is get your building straight. You've got con- a lot of control of that. Get your diet straight, get rid of the no sugar, no grains. That's why a lot of people do better on keto right away. It's, you know, it's yeah, a combination of, yeah, getting rid of the processed stuff will make everyone feel better anyway. But, mm-hmm. uh, but you're also getting rid of uh, mycotoxins and, and, and it's hidden. Uh, you will never be able to know it. Um, and then, then the, the, the real hidden one is restaurants. So anytime you're going out, think about this, all the meats that we're getting are all raised in factory farms. If you're going to a restaurant, unless it says grass fed, it's not, uh, if, unless it says organic pasture, it's not. Um, so you have to assume if it's not labeled with the special designations, it's conventional factory farm stuff. And that, that's that, that meat is, and especially conventional dairy because the mycotoxins are lipophilic, which means the fat loving. And so, so they get lodged in the fats and they excrete through the, through the mammary glands. And so they're concentrated actually in, in dairy. Um, and no, heat doesn't kill these things. Um, mycotoxins are extremely heat resistant. And so, um, so what you have is something called carryover effect where the animal eats moldy grains because of course they're not eating grass like they're supposed to. They're eating crappy corn that's GMO and sprayed with glyphosate. And you know what I mean? It's like horrible. The more you look at it, you go, that's our food. Yeah. They're spraying poisons really to make sad. sure that it lasts a long time on the shelf so that someone can buy it. But it's not yeah. treated as food, you know. Mm-hmm. It's treated as a product, like a like a mm-hmm. like a like a car or a you know or a mug or just these inanimate things. Not this life giving source of nutrients, right? Yeah, information uh, for our physiology. It's very right. bad information. Yeah, <laughs> really bad information, yeah. right? And it's no wonder that we're also responding, you know, adversely to to exposures to mold when we're eating the stuff, and our body is going, "Whoa, okay, I'm not," you know, it's the allostatic load. You know, you guys, where where mm-hmm. you know you get this toxin yeah. load that yeah. builds up, and eventually, it's this. There's a straw that breaks the camel's back, and then people blame that straw, but they're not looking at this incredible accumulation of other stuff that's going on between air, water and food and shelter, right? All these components that all add up. And then you go, I mold, mold just destroyed my life. Well, mold was the thing that woke you up, you know? Um, and, and, and hopefully leads you on a healing journey where you can start looking at the other exposures that you have that have accumulated, that have created that sensitivity that laid the groundwork for you to become hypersensitive because it doesn't happen accidentally. I mean, it does happen accidentally, but it doesn't, it doesn't happen spontaneously. Um, Mm -hmm. It is, it is something that's cumulative in my experience. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. Yeah. We always say there's not one root cause to why you got sick. There's multiple root causes and you're right. Mold is just quite often the one to blame. But I'm curious with the home stuff. I mean, the food is, that's all mind blowing. Um, Definitely something we need to address, but what about in the home? How do we know if we have something we need to address? Like, this is a question from the girl that lives in the dry desert. I, you know, do we all need to worry about this? Should we all test our homes? Well, you know, I, I, of course I'm in the business of, of, of selling test kits, right? Like that, or, or selling diagnostic tools for, for, for this. Um, and so I'm, I'm biased toward more data. Um, I'm a data guy, uh, and you're I'm a biohacker. 
Yeah, and I and I think the stuff should you should you should inform your decisions with actual data, you know, because the because it's it's available. Um, if it, before it was available, then you had to operate more on, more on to intuition and stuff like that. But that's when people always ask me, you know, what's the best mold test? Um, and I always answer you. You are the best mold test if you are willing to 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 re- recapture the control or recapture your own trust because so many people have just handed it over to the medical medical institutions they've just treat you know they well the, the doctor will tell me if i'm if something mm-hmm. what's wrong with me right um and so you know you, I, I always encourage people to get in tune with your your senses um and so if you see something smell something or feel something do something and so so you want to be aware again this is the extension of your immune system your home right the same way you would with your body you want to you want to if you see a bump on your body you know you're going to want to do something about that right um if, if there's a really bad scent coming from somewhere on your body you know you might want to take a, a look at that right so when with the with the building you're looking for any signs of moisture so that would be stains discoloration blistering paint signs of critters uh, that like moisture because of course we all need water right and so like water bugs are a big big clue and you know you'll see the little round those little guys that roll up in a ball you know the little those nasty guys oh, um, and yeah. and also spider webs are a dead giveaway because of course the spider webs at the top of the that mic that little micro that little food chain um and so the mold spores get eaten by the dust mites the dust mites get eaten by the by the book lice and then and then the spiders eat those guys and then so you got this whole chain um that uh, this ecosystem and it all begins with moisture, right? It's like a pool party; everyone's invited. Um, and so you know, <laughs> the, the the outward manifestation is 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 um, is is other life forms proliferating in your building. Um, and so uh, so you're looking for any signs of moisture. And so, by the way, you know, trim pulling away from the wall, you know, where you've got expansion and contraction happening, and you know, you've got. These these are the kinds of things you want to look for: warped flooring that's uneven, uh, tiles coming loose. You know, you want to watch out for missing caulk and grout around your shower. People always worry about the the mold on the grout or caulk. I'm looking for the missing grout and caulk because the water gets behind there, and then next thing you know, you got a really serious problem. So it's and it's all about moisture, right? Mold is not the problem, by the way. Mold is a symptom of a moisture problem. If you want to go root cause, okay? If you really want to go root cause, it's moisture. It's excess moisture. Mold is just the byproduct of that. It's the guaranteed like death and taxes. Stuff gets wet and stays wet for a couple of days, it gets moldy. Um and so so that's your first clue. In fact, I would argue that the musty smell is is mold's benevolent way of saying, "Hey, I'm here." You know, there's an imbalance. Yeah. Um, Pay attention. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, you know, you, this is a kind of a fun experiment. So I'll, I'll explain the see it, smell it, feel it. The smell is obviously the musty smell. Um, and and then the feel is any symptoms that seem to get better when you leave the building. That's that's a first clue. Now, if you're spending too much time in the building, if you don't know if you feel better when you leave, then you probably need to get out more. Um, but but <laughs> ultimately, this is about saying, well, something's not right. And then, and then, and then acting on that and trusting your intuition, getting back to to this. You know, you, we are we are an an amazing integrated array of precision sensors. That's what humans are, right? We, we it's incredible what we what we have, and, and and if we can just trust that, you know, nature's done a pretty good job so far. What we have done to screw it up is is a different conversation. But yeah, but we're but, toxic, and if you're you have a toxic burden, your intuition's probably not talking to you. And that's but that's be again, harder for others. It's much harder, um, and because again, the fear is really what what blocks 
uh, a lot of that too. You know, it's hard to know the difference between intuition and fear. Um, mm-hmm. And my experience has been that fear tells you a story. Intuition gives you a single idea. One word, one, it's a very simple thing. It's, but, but fear tells you stories. Um, and if you're telling stories, you're, you're in fear. If your, your gut tells you one, it's a yes, no. Um, it's, you know, it's a simple monosyllabic, very clear message. Um, but if you're telling stories, you're in fear. So, so the see it, smell it, or feel it, that's, 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 that's the, the, the symptom, but here's a, here's a kind of a fun thought experiment. So I, I talked about building as an extension of your immune system, which, which is, uh, which I, I, uh, I love thinking about. And if you look at the building, you could even think of the building as an organism. You could think the the HVAC system is the is the respiratory system, right? The electrical system is like the nervous system. The plumbing is like the is like the circulatory system. Uh, and then you, well, what what's the immune system? Or the, the, the actually the the siding is like dermis. If you actually look at the cross section of a building, but the siding and the insulation, the fat, right? And then the bones or the yeah. studs. You know, you can really see. And, and by definition, if you look it up in Webster's, an organism is a system of life sustaining systems. Uh, essentially, right, likened to a a a, a living creature, um, and so that's like the second definition. And so, um, so I'm not the first person to probably think about this this way. But I and I and then I think about the immune system, and you know, well, where's that? Well, that's you. You're the immune system. Uh, you know, buildings have a birthday and potentially a death day, and the longevity is largely driven by how well you care for it, right? You are the immune system. And if it, in, the, in the musty smell studies with the fruit flies, the mitochondrial damage was one of the most interesting parts for me. And so it's, is it, it, I would actually think liken us to the mitochondria in our building, right? So we're the powers, we're the, we're the, we're the ones creating all, you know, making sure everything works and, you know, and maintaining things. If we're doing it well, then the building's healthy. Um, and when, when we fail to do that, the building gets sick. And when the building gets sick, we get sick. Uh, and then when the building heals, we heal. And the building gets sick through aches and pains that develop usually over time due to maintenance issues and water gets in, right? Well, buildings fail usually with shedding wind and water. That's where they begin to fail. And so when the water gets in, it develops a, like inflammation. That's mold. Mold is the first sign of the building's inflammation. And the musty smell is that pain signal saying, hey, you know, I need some attention over here. And so I would argue that mold's actually giving you a little warning saying, Hey, I'm ready. I'm going to eat your house. So, um, so you got to do something about this. Um, and if you don't, then it becomes chronic dampness, which is chronic inflammation, right? And chronic inflammation is its own disease. Uh, and you keep letting that go and eventually it becomes cancer in the building, which is rot. And then buildings collapse. They literally die, um, from, from being left to, to, to allow that. That acute inflammation, chronic inflammation, ignore it, ignore it, ignore it. We've seen this with people where they do that same thing, right? Ignore it, ignore it. And next thing you know, mm-hmm. you're reading about them in the obituaries. Um, and so the same thing happens here with our buildings. So our relationship with our building is symbiotic. It needs us. We need it. You know, and so, you know, we love to anthropomorphize cars and boats and stuff, you know, if people put their names on it. And I, I would love to, to I, I want to introduce the idea of naming our homes like they do in the UK, you know, like, you know, name your home, you know, get personal with it um, mm, yeah. and get to, like to know it. Right. Get a, you've developed You are in an intimate relationship with it, whether or not you're engaging at that level or not um, is a matter of, of, of awareness and perspective. Mm, yeah. Love that analogy so much. And you've really made it sound like mold can be a gift, but often, you know, we see it as a sign or a symptom we're just supposed to kill or blow up or ignore just like most signs and symptoms and health, but such a like gentle warning sign, perhaps. 
I, I think mold is a gift. I, listen, mold is amazing stuff. I mean, if you look at this, the more I know about mold, the more amazed I am. It's brilliant. It's it's there's genius in every single spore. You know, it can it it has a library of enzymes that it can produce depending upon what material it lands on. Um, mm. And so, like, what single cell do you know that has a library of resources? You know, and and that knows exactly what to do and just does it in this beautiful, elegant way. And if you look at it microscopically, it's beautiful too. And it's it's just this this thing that we um, we've set a stage. We've it's like it's like if you in, if it's like if you actually invited uh, just left your front door open. And, and, and suddenly homeless people started, people, they just came in and moved in and started eating all your stuff in your fridge, you know, like, and, and Nick, you're like, what are they doing here? You know, like, but you, the door's open and you haven't (laughs) gotten done anything about this. And eventually they're going to actually have rights, you know, like you're not going to be able to get rid of them. And so it's like the leaky gut analogy, all are welcome (laughs) (laughs) in your gut. You let them in. Yeah. Wait a second. Wait, I didn't. I, but there's it was implicit. It was implied that they were welcome. The door was open, and we yeah. do the same thing by building our buildings out of paper mache, closing stuff up. Water gets in, doesn't get out. You know, the stuff gets wet, gets moldy very quickly. And then we're like, "Why mold? Mold's killing me." Well, no, you are our society. This whole thing is set set the stage. Now, people hearing this, you have no excuse. People who didn't don't know this stuff. They have they have they have you know, plausible deniability. Uh, but, yeah. uh, but yeah. now you can't unsee this, I hope. And that's my goal. Yeah. My goal is to, is, no to, is to be the thing you can't unsee, um, when it yeah. comes to this. So, yeah. and then, and engaging this in a benevolent or in a, in a productive manner, right? Because there, there's, there's an opportunity here to, to, to turn this into uh, a positive. And I also think that the positive to this is that the more people get sick from it, the more people talk about it, uh, the more people are aware of it and then change can happen. Uh, and then, you know, when you're doing a renovation, you can use a paperless wallboard. You don't need to use the crappy uh, paper mache stuff that they sell at Lowe's and Home Depot. You know, you can l- use no VOC products. They're available now. You know why? Because the consumers have started to demand it. The same reason Walmart is the largest purveyor of organic food now. It's not because they thought it was good for us. It's to meet consumer demand. And so if you want to make be part of this change, it begins with awareness. And then it begins with making better decisions at the checkout, at the register. Right. And demanding that you, you know, that you just don't buy that stuff. And then it doesn't get sold. And then they either put something else on the shelf or someone else does. And so, so that's the way right. change occurs in our society. It's through conversations like this and then, and then action by the individual. Yeah. 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 So powerful. So I want to talk about the testing. So if we see something, feel something, smell something, smell something, or if we've had, I don't know rain or something fell on our house and there's been an exposure how do we test when do we test yeah so obviously anytime that there's water damage um you know the the key to the stuff is you got to move quickly 24 to 48 hours is the is what the epa says and then the industry standard for mold remediation says anything that gets wet and stays wet that's porous and absorptive uh that stays wet for 72 hours has to be treated like mold whether you see it or, or or not 
Um, so it's mm. a very short period of time. And by the way, insurance will pay for water damage, but it doesn't pay for mold. So if you have homeowners and, and, and this is an event, event that you need to deal with, this is something you do not want to wait for because the prices go through the roof and it's a cash pay, uh, on the mold side, on the water damage side, insurance will almost, will pay almost like the replacement cost of your building, but you got to get to it fast. Um, so that's a word to the wise here. Now, let's say that you've gotten the musty smell, right? You, something's happened, right? You see something, you smell something, you feel something. Uh, what do you do? Well, first of all, you want to find the source of moisture and you want to test the air to see whether or not you've got uh, high spore counts, which would indicate that you've got actual airborne mold in the building. Um, and 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 this is, this is a really important, especially with symptoms, because a lot of people will have sort of, you know, especially if they've got upper respiratory, if they've got, you know, any sort of, any sort of acute uh, reaction to the building, that air testing is, is the first line of defense. Um, so we, we have a test kit uh, that we sell that uses spore traps, um, which are the, these round precision engineered cassettes that capture the airborne particles um, and so we created an air sampling pump that duplicates a professional pump. So if you want to have your house tested right now and you called a professional, they'd come over with, you know, all sorts of tools and equipment, flashlights and moisture meters and, 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 and infrared thermal imaging, hopefully. And, you know, maybe you're lucky and you get a mold sniffing dog, which is, which was my favorite tool. But then after that inspection, then they're going to want to do some testing because of course you can't assess this with the naked eye. Um, and so they'll pull out an air sampling pump on a tripod and then these cassettes get um, get placed on top, and then the air gets drawn through the cassettes, and then that gets shipped to a lab, and then the lab analyzes it. And so it begins with an outside air sample because mold spores, again, there's how many? 50 megatons of spores every year, right? So spores are abundant uh, in, our, in our environment, and so and they're, they're and they're they're welcome, but but they sh- we our indoor air should look a lot like outdoor air. Our indoor air should look a lot like. I'm going to repeat that again. Our you want nature in your home. You want all the spores and all that good stuff from outside. You just don't want anything growing in your house. That's the big difference, right? So spores are okay to a to a degree, but no mold growth of significance in the building. And so the way you assess that is by an indoor-outdoor comparison. So the, our test calls for an outdoor air sample and then indoor samples in the areas where you're concerned. Um, and so each sample is only five minutes. So if you get a three-room kit, uh, you're done in half an hour. Uh, and most of the work is being done by the pump. It's super easy. And, uh, and our air sampling pump here, here, over here. So this is, this is our cute little air sampling pump. This replaces a thousand dollar calibrated professional piece of equipment. Um, and so these cassettes Amazing. fit on, fit on here and, you know, you have to take the tabs off and get like this, like, so boom, put it on here, run it for five minutes. And when it's done, you put this back in the box that it came from. Drop it in the mail. It goes to Eurofins, which is the number one lab in the world. Um, and then they do analysis and you get a report back in three business days, color-coded. So you get a green, yellow, orange, or red indicator, the types of mold found in what concentrations. It's all, like I said, color-coded. So it's it's very intuitive. Um, and then uh, uh, and then you also have some follow-up uh, recommendations, how to find an inspector in your area, how to find a remediator in your area. We have an ebook, uh, which is filled with inspection checklists and FAQs for people that are early on in their mold journey uh, that, we, that we give for free um, and some other self-assessment tools, stuff like that. So it's a very, it, it's not just what's there. It's also a, sort of a launching pad for next steps uh, and for, 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 for actions to be taken. Um, and uh, we, what we did was we, pr- we, we decided to take all the, all the, the bad parts out of, of, of testing and, and the other kind of junk science kits that are out there. 
uh, and also made it really consumer friendly. So our prices include lab fees and shipping both ways. We even send it with fresh new branding batteries. So literally then when you get the kit, you can test immediately. There's no nothing else to purchase or pay for, nothing else to wait for. Um, and uh, everything's automated. So you never have to check, track, track down your results, which I know as 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 functional uh, health coaches, you know, you always have to, you often have to track Where down. Where did it go? Report, <laughs> you know, you don't, you don't have that problem yeah. with us. Um, so That's it's, awesome. it's all completely automated. Um, and, uh, and we, we, it's important for me to, to, to say this too. We don't sell this as a replacement for a professional inspection. Nothing can truly replace a professional who's got experience. Uh, and, and, you know, that's just, that's not the point. This is really more like a pregnancy test kit, um, in the sense that, you know, you don't need to go to the, you know, you don't need to go to the doctor if you, if you feel like something's brewing. This is a cost-effective first step. Uh, it gives you the ability to test without having to get permission from people, make schedule appointments, deal with conflicts of interest, inviting the vampire into your home who might turn the data mm. around and use this in a way that m- manipulates you into doing something you might norm- not normally do, like remediation without a proper assessment. So th- this is a safe way to quickly assess, you know, for a few hundred bucks. We, our our one-room kits are, are $199, two-room kits $249, three-room kits $299. So it's bite-sized compared to $1,000, $1,500, $2,000 for a professional inspector. Um, mm-hmm. you, know, you can test four yeah. times a year for less than the cost of one professional inspection. That's amazing. Wow. Yeah. You've really like canceled out the hurdles for a lot of people. And you brought up a good point, like people that are renting. I know uh, I think you and Freddie did a great episode more about the renting side of things. We can link to that because you're not really allowed to maybe bring in an inspector in certain situations. So yeah. I yep. love that this is just something so easy that anyone can do um, for a really good price. Yep. We we designed this for people that are that are mold affected too, so cogn- cognitively impaired. Uh, so the sim- really simple instructions. It's very easy. People always think it's going to be harder than it is, and it, they always send me a note afterwards and go, like, "That was so easy. Why did I? Why was, why was I, I waiting? Yeah, what was I waiting for? You know, it's it's a lot easier than than like the Viome test where you have to prick your finger and bleed all over the place. You know, like the, the, these are these are some some of these tests have some challenge. Oh my god, you know? those lancets are you know, awful. Our poop tests. I mean, they're just pure joy, right? So this is this is this is so much. This so this is not always a pleasant subject for people, but at least we're not scooping poop and bleeding all over the place, you know. Like, um, and the results come back a lot faster than those tests too, right? I mean, yeah, you, you yeah. Wait six weeks to get results. We have, you know, we have priority mail return labels, and you know, it comes back pretty fast. Um, but Great the perspective, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it is it is really designed for people that are you know renters are a, a market that's completely unserved by uh, the current uh, industry. Um, yeah. uh, we also have a, a, a we're we're starting to work on a program for expectant moms. You know, test your nest. You know, it's a great simple thing for people to proactively do because mm-hmm. it would be so nice if people would proactively do this. But most people come to us when there's a problem and there's already there's already fear and there's already concern, right? So what what I'd like to do is get people to be proactive, but that's not the American way. Um, nah, I gotta wait for the pain point. Gotta wait for the pain point. So pregnant women are experiencing a different kind of pain. It's called anxiety, uh, and so uh, so they 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 um, they they like this idea, and so hopefully you can get some generational awareness too around it, which is kind of the other bigger picture is to get people talking about this, thinking about this in a way that doesn't doesn't always necessarily have it's not enshrouded in in fear um, and anxiety. Um, yeah. And, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah. Important. that's the idea is is to get this to people because you know the biggest problem with this whole space um, biohacking. Uh, indoor air quality, environmental health, uh, even just healthy living is that it is freaking expensive. You know, if you want to get good food, man, it is, it is, a, it's a lot, right? I mean, think about um, what, um, 
um, that wonderful woman who gave the keynote uh, at Dragonfly. Uh, Earthane. Earthane, I think her name was. Oh, yeah. 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 She she delivers such a beautiful piece about, uh, you know, she talked about the the blueberry, uh, the blackberries. Remember? Yeah. Said, yeah. yeah. Oh, it just broke my heart. It was, she, it was, she hit us like a sledgehammer. Um, mm-hmm. And now uh, we're all biohackers are obsessed with the, Earth the next cousin. device. Yeah, She's and so we're, we're so focused on these these you know these expensive high end solutions, and and really what it comes down to is is um, you know people need to access to reliable data. They need to be able to breathe clean air, drink pure water, and eat nutritious food, and mm-hmm. that that should never be cost prohibitive. That's my my philosophy. These are basic yeah. human needs, um, yeah. and and so basic human needs should be uh, accessible to all, and so healthy living should not be a should not be a, a budget issue. Um, mm-hmm. and, and if we can get that straight, then, you know, then a lot of people will rise out of poverty because I think a lot of poverty is driven by poor indoor air quality and poor nutrition. And, and, and you could even art, if you, if you go all the way through it, you can even say, you know, the mom who's got, who lives in the Bronx, who's got an asthma, single mom, who's got an asthmatic kid, the kid has a, an asthma attack, goes to the ER. She then has to go to the hospital. She's going to leave her job where she's making 12 bucks an hour. She's going to get fired if that happens a couple of times. Next thing you know, pop, the poverty cycle continues. And next thing you know, there, there's crime because they got to pay the bills. And so then that becomes a generational thing. And so you could even argue that poor indoor air quality leads to crime, right? I mean, it's mm-hmm. it, it goes all, you know, the mm-hmm. moldy schools, kids can't learn, teachers can't teach. Uh, emotional dysregulation is a very common byproduct of, of mold and poor indoor air quality. And so, you know, you, 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 there's just so many, the impact in our society is so massive uh, that- that you know, if you could, if we could just get this stuff accessible, and the knowledge now is accessible, everyone's got to. Even homeless people have iPhones. You ever see, drive down the road and you see the, the you know, yeah. it's amazing, right? So, so the, it's no longer the digital divide is no longer <laughs> right. Um, yeah. But but now we just need to give people the access to the tools and knowledge, um, and uh, and so that's what I'm here for. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you for thank providing you. this service and such a great gift, and for opening our eyes. I'm just curious real quick, can you do kind of a brief overview of the cassette difference from an ERMI test or a mold plate, which are kind of the other consumables that people know about? Yeah, that's a really good question. So um, so I kind of classify these things into junk science and real science. Um, so Petri dishes have a place and had a place before, especially before next, gener- next generation sequencing, like DNA sequencing. Um, and so, um, Petri dishes will grow mold. That's what they do. They grow bacteria, they grow microbes because molds ubiquitous, right? There's spores everywhere. The fact that a dish will grow mold does not indicate that there's a problem. It indicates that life lives and that, that mold is a Mm. normal part of our environment. And because there's no outside reference sample, uh, and also there's no, our, our spore spore traps and air sampling is done using something called volumetric comparison so the volume and then the metric so we the volume of air and then the the fixed volume of air and then a comparison between those a petri dish doesn't have any such meter that shows you how much air was was exposed to or how much how much uh air this dish was exposed to uh and so you're depending on gravity to to act uniformly and deposit uh particles onto a dish uh, at that somehow or another indicates that that's the, that's indicative or representative of all the air 
in that space. And this is just, mm. this is a, this is not true. And it's kind of like a stool test. Just take a little teaspoon. Yeah. And you yeah. might also find that if you sample the other part of that stool, that you might not necessarily have the same microbial profile. So, so this is, it goes back to the mycotoxin test. You take some oats at the top of the bag, oats at the bottom of the bag. You might find that it looks like different bags of oats. Um, so these things are not homogenous. Um, they're not evenly distributed. So the petri dishes are, are problematic for that reason. The other reason is that because they grow, they always grow, they're always positive, um, unless you over HEPA vacuum and over filter your house, and then you've got a false negative. Um, the truth is that all they do is show you, uh, they just show you that there's the spores in the air. They also only grow the fastest growing molds. So the molds of gr greatest concern for most people that are indicative of water damage issues, and the, also happen to be the toxigenic species, um, don't grow on um, the kind of agar, which is the the solution that's at the bottom of the dish. It's like a sweet solution. It's actually called malt extract agar. It's made from you know fer fermentation from beer, really malt extract. The molds that like their water damage molds like to eat cellulose, which is what our walls are made of. Um, and so it's a slow growing thing. So you'll never get the kind of molds that everyone's worried about growing on those dishes. They simply out. They 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 get overgrown uh, by the fast growing ones that land first. That are ubiquitous and abundant in our world. So they're complete junk science. There's zero value. All they do is actually create fear and anxiety and confusion. And we need less fear, anxiety, and confusion around this subject matter. So petri dishes are not good. Ermi, uh, I wrote a piece about this, uh, and I can drop that in the chat. And that is one of my favorite conversations because Ermi is a 21-year-old test that was, it's not even a test. It's, an, it's, a, it's a research tool that was developed by a couple of EPA staffers. Um, here's the Ermi piece in the chat. Um, the, uh, it, and it, if you think about 20 years ago, genomics, think about genomics, DNA technologies, has anything improved faster than DNA in 21 years? I mean, seriously, like the, the work that's being done with genomics, it costs a billion dollars to, to, to do the first uh, DNA uh, decoding uh, when Craig Ventner did it. And now it costs 99 bucks, right? <laughs> that was 20 years ago. Crazy. Ermi is 20 year old technology. Um, and, and it has not been updated. It's called MSQ-PCR. It's a, a mold-specific quantitative polymerase trans, uh, uh, chain reaction. And so this is the PCR part is what we're used to from, from COVID. It's very mm -hmm. good at finding a single organism, but it's not good at counting the organisms. Um, it's good at telling you be present or not present. Um, and it, so it doesn't enumerate well. Yeah. Um, and and uh, and it's also the, the test itself, the, it's called Environmental Relative Moldiness Index. So that what you're talking about as a test is really an index that looks at 36 molds, 26 of which are uh, are considered to be uh, indoor molds, which is not really true. And then 10 are considered to be outdoor background molds. Um, by the way, all molds are outdoor molds. <laughs> there are no indoor molds. Um, there it. are molds that like to grow indoors, but they're all outdoor molds. Um, and that happen to grow, some of them like to grow okay. indoors. Um, and so, uh, so this analysis looks at, at these 36 molds. Well, where did they come up with these 36 molds? Well, it turns out if you go under the hood, you'll find out that it was from 32 homes in Ohio. This is not a geographically diverse, uh, data set. Um, no. And, 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 and they, and then they took it and they used that same tool in a thousand homes, 1089 homes for a HUD study, EPA HUD study. 
and that's what they talk about is 1089 homes that were that, that they that they did this analysis on and they wow. found a correlation between that the, between high ERMI scores and asthma i mean no shit pardon my french but like that does not sure. take a rocket scientist to say well, there's high yeah. uh, there's there's some high mold counts doesn't matter the kind of molds and you have asthma i mean come on like this is <laughs> you don't need to spend government money or any money on that one um and so the problem with the ERMI also is that it is wildly high because it, it, you're looking at dust reservoirs in the corner of a, of a house. Now, if you if you if you, if you've had a house uh, for for more than a few years, you know gravity works; spores settle out of the air. If you've ever opened your window, stuff comes in and settles out. And so, um, the fact that you have spores in your house does not mean you have growth in your house. And the reason we are our, our, our spore traps are different is because we're looking for airborne spores. And high concentrations relative to the outside. We're not looking for a, a pocket of dust in the corner where you're guaranteed to have spores accumulating. And you're guaranteed almost, especially if the house has been up for a while, to have some of the molds that are that are that are considered toxigenic because they grow outside, you know, and they come in. And that's just the way it, that's the way it is, right? Um, so so they tend to be very, very high. Uh, ERMI is alarmingly high. And a lot of people say, oh, I use ERMI, but I don't use that index. Well, that is the, that is it. It is called the, the Environmental same. Relative Moldiness Index. So if you're not using the index, then why are you doing that test? Um, and so it's junk science. It's junk science. And, mm -hmm. and, uh, and I can tell you that it's junk science, not just because of the things I just said, but I have gone into hundreds of homes following a high ERMI with mold sniffing dogs, infrared thermal imaging cameras, and all the high-tech gadgetry, lots of testing. And I was only able to verify about 10% of the homes with mold, uh, the, the high ERMI scores uh, with conditions, mm -hmm. actual conditions present in the building that would be commensurate or, or that would, that would, that would, that would, uh, um, that would line up. And so my, my th that's a big reason. The Petri dishes in the ERMI are a big reason why uh, I created the test kit was because so many people are freaking out over the results from, from these two uh, methods that I had to be able to introduce a professional method uh, at an affordable price so they could at least get a gut check, you know, and, 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 uh, and stop buying into this thing. And the other problem with this, and this is this is some word to the wise, anyone who's been down this road will will know exactly what I'm talking about. If you get a mycotoxin test and then you and your your practitioner will often say, you better get your house tested. And then and there's a couple of really unscrupulous companies out there whose name I will that will remain nameless right now, but charge like six, eight thousand dollars to do an inspection. And they're using ERMI and then they're friends with these very unscrupulous mold remediators, again, who's, who will remain nameless right now, who want to charge $100,000 to rip a house apart, including replacing HVAC systems, which never I've never had to do in 21 years. And I've healed a lot of sick homes. Uh, and so, so, so what you have here is this high reading that's actually coming from food most of the time. From the mycotoxin urine test, and then they go in, and so that's 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 arguably that is not building related most of the time. Now there are cases, very visibly moldy environments where there's a lot of particles, and there's a lot you can you can you, you can absolutely breathe in mycotoxins. Um, but this is not most of the cases. When I say most, I mean ninety five percent probably. Um, hmm. And then um, and then you get the, you do the ERMI, and well that's always high too, and so that ensures a next step. It's a gravy train of conflation where you take these ideas and stack them up and they seem logical, but the science underneath it, it does not support this. 
Mm. And so that's that's what a lot of people, a lot of people are getting their lives destroyed and they can't, they figure, why am I not getting better? I've done all the remediation. Uh. I've spent all this money. I've done all this stuff. Well, because you're eating it too, you know? And also you're living in a VOC ridden place. And a lot of these remediators are using chemicals instead of cleaning and they're not following industry standards. So they're actually adding chemicals to a building instead of, instead uh. of right? So adding, you know, insult oh, to upsetting. Injury. Yeah. And, and so this, this is a, this is a really, really troubling thing. This, this is the kind of stuff that literally keeps me up. And I, 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 people call me with these terrible stories and it just breaks my heart. You know, they're spending, they're borrowing money to remediate a house where there's never been any mold found. They're just chasing Mm. mycotoxins. People are doing dust, Mm. dust tests to find mycotoxins and you find so you're going to find it, but that doesn't mean you're breathing it. You, You know, Presence does not equal exposure. These are not radioactive particles that are going to affect you from a distance. You have to have direct exposure to these mm-hmm. things in significant amounts. Now, if you're really sensitive, that's a different conversation. Um, but even so, you still have to have physical contact with this stuff in, in, a, in a fairly significant amount um, because we, we're on a mold planet, you know? So you're yeah. seeing every time you go outside, you're breathing in hundreds or thousands of spores every single breath. With most of the time without any ill effect. Um, mm-hmm. And so, so the same thing sh- should be happening in your indoor environment um, and, and, and without any ill effect. So, yeah. uh, so it's, it's very complex in contrast yeah. to the Petri dishes and the ERMI, our test um, uses evidence of airborne spores direct. This is what you're breathing, right? Not from the dust in the corner of the building that may have been there for 25 years, you know? Um, huh. big yeah. difference, right? There's a historical yeah. record there that could be useful if you wanted to, you know, look for other stuff, including like allergens, like p- pests, cockroaches, and you could find a lot more there, but the stuff that they're looking at is 36 molds. And by the way, did I mention that there's a hundred thousand species, um, you know, 36 eh. now today's today, there's something called next generation sequencing, uh, shotgun, uh, t- testing. We're developing a dust test to answer to this because everyone asked me about Ermi. And so with a single dust sample, we'll be able to look for all known microbes for the same amount as an Ermi, all known microbes. So that means all bacteria and fungi. So we can actually, and we'll classify them according to the water damage activities. So we can see on a color coded basis, whether or not there's a high concentration of certain microbes, which is usually a red flag. And if there's a, a high concentration of water loving bacteria, called actinomycetes and water loving fungi that are growing together. If there's high concentrations of those two, that means something, not a high ERMI score. If you've got a suite of microbes that love moisture and there's a high concentration in your dust relative to the other microbes, red flags, right? But ERMI based upon these 32 homes in Ohio, 36 species, none of which have actually been proven to be a really serious problem in and of themselves. uh, It's junk science. Strong science as best. And it, and, it, and it basically occupied a vacuum because at the time when it, when it was popularized by Dr. Richie Schumacher, the former doctor, Richie Schumacher, um, who, who promotes, uh, uh, who, who, who promoted, uh, Ermi and hurts me too, at the exclusion of all other, uh, data points, they, uh, there was no other really, um, there was no other reputable test method, you know? And yeah, so, and, was, and at the time that was cutting edge science, honestly. But it, it hasn't been updated. Time to come a long way. Time yeah. to update. Now it's yeah. just yeah. an alarmist, or now it now it's just what we used f- to call a TTH, a try too hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and in this case, probably not trying hard enough anymore, right? And and, and you know, doctors are slow on this stuff too. They, they you know, doctors yeah. lag badly 10, 10 years at least on these things. So they're still kind of going, huh? What, Ermy? Okay, you know. Hmm. Uh, so yeah. we're yeah. we're Thank trying you for that to clarification. 
Yeah. And we're trying to, we're trying to say, Hey, listen, don't stop with the dust test. You can do the dust fine, but let's look at the whole picture. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's a great article. We'll link to that in the show notes. If anyone wants to read the, what you just mentioned, but that was great. Well, Jason, I think you've given everyone a lot of food for thought, some things we all need to do. I'm going to go check my air doctor filter right now. (laughs) See what's going on in Mycotoxin free food for thought. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. And wow. Look at the time. I know we got to let you run, but maybe you can just give our audience one final piece of advice, something they should do today to start improving all the amazing things you mentioned. Well, um, I, I highly recommend that people, uh, first of all, get your, get back to your tuning your senses, right. And, and, and learn to trust yourself. So if you see something, smell something or feel something, do something that's key. Um, and, and, and get yourself some good air purifiers. Um, they're, they're, they're a necessary, um, appliance in every home. And it's not just for spores and things like that. It's actually for the little bits of particles that come off the buildings, the paints and the finishes and stuff like that. You want to get that stuff out of your dust, out of your air. Um, and, and then run those 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year for the rest of your life. And then open your windows and let mm-hmm. nature back in. Yeah. Oh yeah. Great. And then, and then lastly, I'll leave you with this. Um, we created a welcome page for all of your lovely listeners. Um, and it's at gotmold.com slash biohacker babes. And, uh, and if, if you go there, you'll find, uh, that there's a coupon code biohacker babes 10 for anyone who wants to look into testing. There's a discount there and that, that that's open-ended. There's no expiration date on that. And you'll also find a link to our ebook that I mentioned earlier, which is 46 pages of inspection checklists and FAQs. And it's, it's a resource we get a lot of really positive feedback about. Um, and so I encourage people to, if they're early in their mold journey, that's a great starting point. If you follow that ebook around your house with a flashlight and you will learn more about your house than, 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 than you can imagine. Um, and so I encourage people to become more familiar with your home and, and, and take the time to get to know it and make the necessary investments because it is a, it is a, um, an inextricable part of your health. Um, and so, uh, that, that's, that's really what it's all about is, um, you know, just expanding your awareness to include this, um, this, this ever important relationship. Mm. So thank you. It's so powerful. Yeah. I I am a lot smarter than I was prior to three o'clock today. So thank you for that. (laughs) Well, I, I thank you so much for, for having me. This is long overdue. Um, and you know, I'm glad to come on anytime you want. Uh, and we'll, we can probably do a shorter one next time since, uh, we covered a lot of ground today. We did. There's we more had though. To. We really There's had more. to. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. Part two next year. Absolutely. Right. Thank you so right. much, Jason. Thank you, and ladies. thanks to everyone that tuned in today. We'll see you next time. Love this episode of the biohacker babes podcast. Head over to Apple podcasts to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. We truly appreciate your support. Until then, happy biohacking. This podcast offers health, fitness, and nutritional information and is designed for educational purposes only. You should not rely on this information as a substitute for, nor does it replace professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. If you have any concerns or questions about your health, you should always consult with a physician or other healthcare professional.